Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. And good morning. This is The Mountain Gardener, your host, Ken Lane, here every week talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona. We are in a second growing season. So really, we have March and April, things wake up. That's the spring season. May, eh, all the flowers, vegetables are all going in. June is the perennial month. That's when most of the perennials are in full bloom. That happens through July or so. And then the monsoons hit. And it's a whole nother planting season. Uh, when there's an inch of rain, some of you have had two, three inches of rain in your landscapes. An inch of rain will penetrate the soil about six inches. So if you've had three inches of rain, you've got 18 inches of moist, supple, easy to dig in soil. And your plants know it. They'll root in easier. So they get humidity at the top growth. And so they're going, ah, oh, there's shade from the clouds. The, the moisture comes and rainwater is perfect. And then the ground is soft and they can root out. You can, you can double the size of your growth in a year just by fertilizing right now or planting now. Plants will actively hit the ground rooting right away. Whereas in the spring, you plant those let's say fruit trees or a new shade tree or, or evergreen, and, and they're happy and they're usually dormant. They don't have their foliage yet. They aren't growing, but they sit there mainly because the ground is cold. It's still wintry at the root level. And so plants wait. A lot of these plants, they're triggered by the soil temperature. Well, now you put them in the ground and the soil is, is warm and moist. And they just go, hey, this is great. Look at this. Look, um, this is great. Let's just grow here. And they start taking off. It's a really, really good time. This is a really hard concept for you folks from the desert to wrap your brains around. I mean, Phoenix, Tucson, Palm Springs, you, you don't plant in the summer. It's too hot. It's just things vaporize out there. But up in God's country, up here in the mountains of Arizona, up where you should belong. This is where you should be living, where you should be gardening. It's just better. It's the perfect time. It's actually better to plant now than it is in the winter or late fall or some of these other times. In the deserts, you plant in the fall because things grow and root. And, and your goal is to get things to root it out as far as you can before the heat of summer. Up here, it's the opposite. We've got, we start planting after winter, when spring and then summer, then there's a whole nother fall planting. Fall is for planting. That's usually going to be your, your aspens and maples, the fall colored things, ash. Good time to put in evergreens. But if you've just built and you've moved into your house and you want to get some things in and you're wondering if you've got enough time, don't worry. You've got plenty of time. You've got the best time. It's a good time to put your big things in. Or if you've got a privacy screen, you want that, that thing to grow, uh, plant it now, fertilize it heavy, push. You can get growth now, growth in the fall. It's going to root out through the end of the year. It's going to take a break. 
usually in January, first part of February. And then by next year, it's just going to go double in size. So it's a good time to put things in the ground so they have time to bulk up and fill in because a, a living wall, let's say an evergreen wall of, of junipers, arborvita, deodor cedars, spruce, pine, they need time to root. They don't top growth until the root growth gets in. Then they start taking off. So I keep getting people for, mainly from Phoenix, Scottsdale, going, I don't know if I don't know. I don't know if I can plant. You know, I've never planted like this. Of course, it's gonna be 88 degrees today and and or, or you know, 90. It's really hot. Oh my gosh. It's 120 down there. It's crazy hot. Here it's just warm. To plants, especially to mountain plants, they love it. So don't be afraid. Uh, go for it. It's a good time. It's your only time if you're thinking about planting uh, summer blooming things. So crepe myrtle. This is the only time you find crepe myrtle trees and shrubs at the garden centers because they're in full bloom. In the spring, they're just basically twigs in a bucket. They don't look that good. Whereas for Scythia, they're bright gold. They're covered in, in yellow flowers. People want those. They don't want crepe myrtles. They want lilacs, that beautiful blue fragrant flower. They don't want a twig in a bucket. But this time of year, your forsythia and your lilacs are just green. They're just green blobs. They're pretty, but they're not blooming. They're not fragrant. That, that's long gone. But crepe myrtles are in their prime. This is when you see desert willows. They're in their prime. Uh, your, your butterfly bush. You've got so many varieties to pick from now because they're a summer bloomer. A Rose of Sharon. This is a, a, a winter hardy or one of the hardiest hibiscus. So if you're from uh, the, the, the tropic, uh, let's say Southern California, Hawaii, where you're growing those great big tropical hibiscus, well, you can't grow those here. They're an annual. They'll die in the winter. But there are some hardy varieties called Rose of Sharon. There's another one called Machudos hibiscus, or Confederate Rose is another name. It, it's a, uh, it does put on that hibiscus flower that's the size of your hand. It, it's pretty big. But it's not a shrub. It doesn't, it doesn't grow as tall as its head high. It, it dies back to the ground like a true perennial. It rests underground through winter, then comes back with this aggressive, I mean, three, four feet of growth, all just all of a sudden. You can almost watch it grow by the day. And then it erupts this time of year through fall with these hibiscus flowers that are the size of your hand. A Rose of Sharon has smaller, they're only three, maybe four or five inches across. They're not as big as your hand, but there's, they make up for it in just sheer quantity. They'll have 10 times the quantity of hibiscus flowers on a Rose of Sharon than, than an actual hibiscus ever dreamed of. I mean, the whole thing will be covered with more flowers than foliage. Actually, it has a better show, a brighter, more colorful show than your traditional let's say tropical hibiscus that you, maybe you're used to. So it's a good time to plant those summer things. I could keep going on and on. There's a chaste tree. There's just cacti. It's, this is your time. This is what the best time to plant them. Your annual flowers. This is when pentas and vincas, like, like uh, the annual vincas, the, the bright sun-loving heat absorbing vincas they just bloom nonstop. that's this is when you show see those they wouldn't like the spring season they like being planted when it's warm they need the ground to be warm we got to cover weeds maybe i don't have enough time i got a couple minutes left 
Let's see. I got to cover weeds because the customers keep coming in. And Roundup does cause cancer, in case you're wondering. Yes, we got proof. They got science. They got lawsuits going through. And it's, it's anyway, you shouldn't be using that stuff. Vinegar doesn't do it. You know, so it just has a top burn. doesn't actually take out the roots. But there are some, there's some ways to take out the weed and the roots and keep it safer than some cancer-causing liquid that you buy at a box store. You know, Roundup, don't use that stuff. It doesn't work that good up here anyway. So let me, let me go. I'll bring Lisa in with your garden questions. Then the bottom of the hour, I'll cover uh, specifically how do you take out weeds this time of year. And it's pretty easy if you know, have a few insider tips. Right now, though, you should be fertilizing. I cannot emphasize that enough. Everything in the yard will benefit from a good plant food. And I'm talking about a granular plant food. I would recommend using 744 all-purpose plant food. It's a mixture that we make up here at the garden center. Bag it. Looks kind of cheesy. It's a plain white bag. It's got a lick and stick label, but we're making it. We make it. It's just us. And so you won't find it at the box stores, but it's made for our, these mountain plants. They work at desert plants too, but it's made with, to work with our water to compensate for that crummy soil you've got. It helps to new, add nutrients, but you can get a whole other set of roses, a whole other set of, of maple leaves, of aspen growth, of, of new, you've picked your, your peaches and you can get a whole other set of growth on, on those grapes, uh, berries, blackberries and raspberries and blueberries. Put the all-purpose plant food on now and pray for rain. And you're, you're going to get rain sometime this week, probably, no matter of how much. But do that and you will be amazed. Things will stay rich green. The new foliage, brand new set of flowers. It's a great time to take advantage of the monsoon rain. We have Lisa Watersling coming in with your garden questions right after this. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Waters Garden companion plants for July are hibiscus, maple, verbena, and crepe myrtle. Crepe myrtle flowers are intense watermelon pink, solar reds, and LED whites that cover this heat-loving shrub. Plant where you enjoy its beautiful multicolored bark and sinuous branches up close. The flowers show against forest green foliage that turns red and orange in autumn. Growing to just head height, every yard has room for at least one and only available for summer planting here at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Wondering why the grass is always greener on the other side? Well, it's probably because your neighbor used the all-purpose fertilizer from Waters Garden Center. Monsoon is right around the corner and it's the perfect time to feed your plants. Waters All-Purpose Fertilizer is the only organic made especially for Arizona mountain soils. Don't buy a bunch of different fertilizer for your flowers, veggies, trees, or grass. This one does it all. The plants on your side will be happier, healthier, well, greener. Safe, natural, organic. Waters Garden Center in Prescott. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. And we are back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She comes each week with your garden questions. Just what are the rumors out there? How do we feed the rumor mill? No, it's just what are we seeing in other other gardens? What are other gardeners talking about? Uh, we're not talking about the gardeners. We're talking about the gardens of the gardeners. Does that help with the 
the rumor so. mill. Anyway, hi, Lise. Hi. So, uh, garden questions. You got any? How are your uh, gardens? How are your pansies growing? My pansies? <laughs> Not so well. They're dead. <laughs> <laughs> my vinca is doing great. Yeah. Yeah. Got to switch over to those warm season things. Yep. Summer lover, I tell you, there's nothing. You can't water the pansies and violas on the backside in the shade. Yeah. They're doing fine. Yeah. They they're kind of hot, but they're doing fine. Mm -hmm. The ones out in the sun, well, they vaporized two weeks ago. It's just like, oh, more than two it's, weeks it's not worth right. even having them. But the vincas, <laughs> the pintas, the mm -hmm. all that, you know, the lantanas. They love they that. They love the heat. Yeah. Boy, they, I put them in our front pots out front. We're just blazing all day sun. And they are spectacular. They just take so, over. Uh, I want to know, and actually all men want to know right now, over the airwaves, we're all listening. We're our ears are perked up. But why is it we're going on vacation like tomorrow and, and you're bringing home more beauty and more garden stuff to the garden. You can barely have time to pack up the truck, much less plant another plant. And then I don't know if I get the irrigation set in time. Why can't well, we just these, wait until after? They already have irrigation to them, for one thing. Okay. And the other thing is, when I come home and I drive into my driveway, I want to go, ah, oh, look how much they all grew while but I was gone. You won't. Oh, and you, oh, when when you come back. Got it. You want to <laughs> see two weeks worth of growth when you come back. Yeah. So why can't you just buy two and put them in there and just double up when you come back and just Not it's stress same. it's pressure pack. I'm oh, trying to get the car blah, clean. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> never mind, men. We don't want to know. We just get put back in our place. <laughs> it is fun to come home and see how pretty the gardens are. It is. I did deadhead everything. Well, I fertilized everything. So that when we come back, it would be beautiful. That's, See, that's why. There you go. We're yeah. going to drive Same in thing. and we're going to go, oh, this okay. is why we live here. This is beautiful. So with that, I think, ah, <laughs> I need a Mountain Dew. Here we go. I say, it's not a beer, folks. We're okay. All right. Garden questions. First one is from Tom in Prescott. He wants to know if it's advisable to put on pre-emergent now or is it too late? Oh, Tom, if you haven't done it, you got to do it. If you have done it, do it again. Just do it, do it, do it, Tom, do it. Yeah, pre-emergence, uh, take advantage of the rain. Mm -hmm. So I put some on in our gardens and the garden center. We use, we use probably 10, 12 bags here at the garden center, but we're dealing with acreage. Right. At the house, it takes a couple, two, three bags. Mm -hmm. A bag will cover, I think it's 7,200 square feet. So you spread it out real thin. It looks salt and peppered. You pray for rain. That pellet kind of melts down into the ground. And then it prevents any seed from sending a taproot down into the ground. So it prevents weeds from even starting mm -hmm. in your rock, starting next to your driveway, starting between the pavers, starting in the lawn. Mm -hmm. It just keeps the weed seed from, from germinating. It'll take out... Uh, established weeds as long as they're just starting to come up but it does not affect plants it doesn't actually so you can put it around your roses mm -hmm. you can put it through your flower beds you can put it out there across the uh the dry wash you know keep the weeds at bay over there mm -hmm. and it's not going to affect the trees and shrubs that are already growing it just affects right. the seed that drops down mm -hmm. so it's good for about four to six months, mm -hmm. then you have to reapply, especially here where the season is such, we have such a long growing season that you need to re you need to do it really twice a year, Tom, mm -hmm. or, or audience, everyone. But we do it 
twice a year. Um, and so generally we'll do it like in February, March, whenever you get that, you know, it's, it's thawed, you're getting the urge to garden, which means the weeds are getting the urge to grow. <laughs> and so you put it out then. And then the second time you put it out there is now when the monsoons hit. So this is when all the tumbleweeds, right. that goat head, the one that gets the, the birds, like a ground cover and you lift up the bottom. It just has hundreds of these burrs underneath that, that, that your dogs walk over. They just yeah. start limping. Uh, that's an annual. It only comes back by seed. So you can put that on, put the weed and reading grass stopper down. You won't have that. Mm -hmm. And so you put it on when the, when the monsoons hit, you won't have uh tumbleweeds. You can just go on. Uh, Tom. Yes. yes. Now's the time. <laughs> there you go. Short answer is yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next question is from Sandy. She's out in Prescott Valley. Was kind of in, she has, uh, she wants to know, she has a lawn, but she wants to get some tree. She wants a tree in the lawn to kind oh, of get shade. Yeah. Is there a tree that would do better in a lawn situation than others? Sure. Um, so yeah, there are. So there's some better ones. I would say the, the number one seller, weeping willow. I, I would say stay away from willows. And, and the only reason I know I'm going to get some pushback, but but the roots are so shallow on that plant. It, it tends to be right there. You're going to trip on weeds. So it's, it's just so shallow. It's so aggressive and so big. It's probably not as mythical as you, as the uh, Instagram or Pinterest feed tells you it is right. just because three years from now, you're going to have huge roots. You have to dig out of the lawn. It's going to ding the blade of the mower. It's just eh, not ideal. Uh, I, I find that maples are far better mm. at that. They're deeper rooted. They don't, they don't lift the lawn up and yet they'll take that water. It's actually a tricky thing to put a tree in there. That's that needs infrequent water. And yet you put a lawn around it that has everyday water. You need a plant that can, they can adapt to that. Mm -hmm. I find ash does really well with that, really? especially Modesto, Arizonicas. That's where they naturally grow mm -hmm. is on those, those wash levels right. uh, down, down towards creek beds. Mm -hmm. Well, they're going to love your lawn too. It's a great choice. Another one that people don't think about, but birch. Yeah. Birch is very pretty. It doesn't tend to lift things. It's got that white bark. The native variety of birch that grows here is called river birch. It's got a darker, there's a, there's one that grows next to the creek bottoms mm -hmm. called river birch, uh, but also it's, it's European cousin. That's the ones with the white bark does equally as well. So birch would be another great choice. That's one, um, you know, Sandy, come in, we'll, we'll kind of walk you through and one, I mean, purple leaf plum, crab apples, you can go on and on and on. I would say stay away from cottonwoods, willows, sycamores, mm -hmm. They're the ones you you do a Google search. That's they'll tell you plant those. I'm, I've got personal experience. I can tell you that you're going to have roots lifting the lawn. You'll be tripping over them. It's kind of more maintenance than it's worth. It's pretty from a distance, but real, reality you got to get underneath it, mow it, and clean it. Yeah, not there's better choices. Okay, all right. So Don would like to know: Is there a good weed killer that he can use in a lawn? That will not harm the lawn, but get the weeds. Yeah, there's called broadleaf weed killers. And so we've got a couple here at the garden center uh, that, that work really well. And in fact, they're organic. They're iron-based. So you get some iron will stress out the weed. Let's say dandelions. It's a number one. Uh, and it stresses out the grass too, but it doesn't kill the grass. It kills the weed. So 
broadleaf weed killers. And there's one on the, on the shelf. What's the name of that? If a fertilone puts uh, it out there. Weed free zone. Weed free zone. Per thank you. Yeah. My lovely assistant here. Assistant. Uh, making sure I don't get the wrong name. So just kind of <laughs> what? I don't like to be called an assistant. Assistant. My lovely <laughs> wife. My uh, dominant partner. Dominant partner. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just poking. Okay, we have a 35th anniversary coming up. You know, do you remember? True, we do. It's like in three weeks. Yes, it is. Marty Plant. I don't have anything yet. I'm trying to figure you out what to do. For your assistant. Yeah, I got something for my assistant. <laughs> my lovely assistant. Forgot the. Got to have a. Uh, not asinine assistant. <laughs> lovely, lovely. She's lovely. <laughs> just, <laughs> Never mind. Let's end it a low note. <laughs> anyway, Ken and Lisa Lane. Who, who, who's, who said that? What was who who's asking about Dawn. weed killers? Dawn. So it's weed. Dawn, free it's your zone. fault. Yes. Weed free zone. That's yes. it. You can use that. It'll take out the weeds and leave the grass. Doesn't affect good on bluegrass, ryegrass, right. uh, fescues any of those grasses really effective this altitude so it does really well probably don't use roundup because yeah. it'll kill the grass and the weed unless you can really be specific with it so there's better on. choices all right can Lisa lane the mountain gardeners be right back after this you're listening to Ken Lane, aka the Mountain Gardener. Ken can be found throughout the week in Prescott at Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. Waters Garden Companion plants for July are hibiscus, maple, purple verbena, crepe myrtle, and pentas. Pentas are a butterfly magnet with super sweet nectar produced in starry flowers on 12-inch stems. She loves heat and wind with minimal care to keep the flowers coming. The large clusters of vibrant star-shaped flowers are stunning in pots and raised beds. A superb flower that outperforms others as long as it's hot. You'll only find heat-hardy pentas at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. I hate weeds. Monsoon rains are so refreshing, even my landscape comes alive. But so do my weeds. Stop weeds in their track in one simple step. Waters Weed and Grass Stopper spreads like fertilizer. It kills weed seed before monsoon rains allow them to sprout. No need to weed. It's safe for trees, even flower beds, and so much safer than that toxic waste the big box sells. Weed and Grass Stopper, and only found at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. Now I had mentioned at the start of the show that I'd cover how to, how to kill weeds. And it's, it's pretty easy. Uh, here's how, where do I even begin? There's so many weed killers. And if you do a Google search on how to kill weeds, oh, you're going to be dumbfounded by the whole process. You'll be so confused. You won't know where to even, you'll be paralyzed. Let me just simplify this. So vinegar seems to be all the rage right now. It's difficult to get the vinegar strong enough. You really need industrial strength vinegar. And there's, there's different recipes out there. No matter what recipe you use or how strong the vinegar the, it does not kill the roots. So vinegar is very good at burning off the top of that plant. And for an annual, that will kill it. 
But for perennials like whorehound and goathead and some of these other weeds that have a root that goes down to China, you've got wild morning glory or bindweed. You can go on and on and on. Tumbleweed, it doesn't affect them unless you catch them really, really small. And so there's better things that will kill the top and the root. And you have to be thinking, is that an annual or perennial? Is it going to kill it? Is it going to come back? What, what should I do? Like you would a vinegar. And so we, we have a product here at the garden center. It's called Decimate. It's a fairly new science. It's, it's a replacement or, or a better product than Roundup. And it doesn't have the cancer-causing issues. What I like about Decimate up here at this elevation, our challenge is the nighttime temperature cools off so much. We have such a dramatic uh, difference between daytime and nighttime. Many times the plant, you're spraying that weed, the plant shuts down in the evening and it stops growing. So it doesn't take in whatever the killer is. Well, Decimate, you can spray that up to, I think, 40 degrees, 38 degree temperature. It's, it's quite cold and the plant will still absorb it and kill the plant from the top down through the roots. Roots and all. Kills everything. Perennials, annuals. If you spray it, it will die. And see, for, for pets and things, I would keep them out of the area until it dries. So I've got I've got little schnauzers, miniature schnauzers, cats, all kinds of stuff. And, and if, the, if the dogs get harmed, my marriage is at high risk. And I know it. And so I'm really, really careful. I don't want to hurt our schnauzers or there's going to be grief to pay. Uh, so I make sure that I keep them in the house until I'm done spraying. You know, this time of year, how long does it take for, for things to dry? Like 15 minutes? And then I let them out. They're, they're perfectly fine. Uh, so decimate is a better thing to do to spray with as far as from spring through fall, it's going to be highly effective. We, I guess we got to cover Roundup. So Roundup, is the number one seller even still? I mean, it causes cancer still. It's number one seller. I just scratch my head. I don't even sell it here at the garden center. Stopped selling that stuff ten years ago. We saw it was going to cause health issues back then, and so I just said, if anyone's going to get cancer, it's going to be the guy that's selling the product. The case, you know, truckloads and truckloads of of Roundup. Well, I don't want cancer. I'm gonna I'm gonna sell something better, safer. Strong, it just works better at this altitude, and so we replace that with decimate. Roundup is effective; it does kill stuff from the top down through the roots, but it mainly only works when the temperature, uh, even the nighttime temperature, is above sixty. Let's say sixty-five. It's got to be. It's got to be summer. It will not work. As soon as we dip down into the low 60s, 50s, it stops working. The plant might yellow, but then it comes back with a vengeance. And that's why you've sprayed some things with Roundup and it didn't work. That's why the temperature at night wasn't effective. So that, that particular spray is only active within that plant when it's really warm. So Decimate is better in that respect. When I'm mixing up my spray bottle of, of weed killer, no matter what it is, I'm going to add to that same killer a spreader sticker. Spreader sticker is a wetting agent. Here's why. Uh, many of our Arizona weeds have a very waxy coating to them. It's a defense mechanism that makes them more water efficient, makes them more drought hardy. And so what happens is that spray oil many times will spray on the foliage, beat up, and roll off. And so it's hard to get it to penetrate. Or 
The other types of weeds will have a fuzzy leaf. You'll see many of them have little fine hairs on the tops or bottoms or both on the leaves, on the stems. And so what that's for is to shade the foliage. So you'll spray those hairy types of, of weeds. The, the product will float on top of the foliage so you don't get the penetration and you don't get the, the knockdown or the kill rate. If you add a spreader sticker, it gets it to soak onto waxy leaves and penetrate down through hairy leaves. It's, it'll, it'll increase your kill rate of, of, of weeds by at least 25%. I mean, just it's noticeable how many more weeds and how fast it kills. Uh, it, but just by adding spreader sticker and decimate in the same pump-up sprayer. I mean, it's just like death and decay. I'll walk through my yard eh, once a week and I kind of spot treat. I've put down over the entire yard weed and grass stopper. And if you've not done that, do it now. It's a granular, like a, like a fertilizer. You spread it with a hand spreader and you spread it through the yard over the rock where weeds kind of come up. And then rain hits it, activates it, goes into the soil, and it keeps the seed from germinating. That's my main line defense. Weed and grass stopper first. That way I don't have as many weeds. And then I'll go through once a week and I'll mix up a bottle of a spreader sticker and decimate. And this is my little tank, one gallon sprayer. I've got a gallon always sitting there ready to go. And I just spot treat as I see things come up. And I have a weedless yard, virtually weedless yard. It's, it's as simple as that. That's how you kill weeds here in the mountains of Arizona. The Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations. Guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. Some things are just better together. Which is the best time to fertilize with all-purpose plant food from Waters Garden Center. But pair the all-purpose with humic acid and it's a one-two punch of garden power. Humic acid gives your soil organic matter that helps plants' roots receive water and nutrients. So it makes fertilizer work even better. Like salt and pepper. Coffee and donuts. And hey, you and me. Aw, thanks Ken. All-purpose plant food and humic acid better together and only at Waters Garden Center. Waters Garden Companion plants by our maple, verbena, crepe myrtle, and rose of Sharon hibiscus. Rose of Sharon is a mountain-hardy hibiscus with anemone-like blooms. Each stem of this hardy hibiscus is packed with buds. She makes a beautiful informal hedge or screen and is easily trained into small trees. Available Prescott colors show in blue, purple, white, red, and pink for years of enjoyment. You'll find breathtaking hibiscus here at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert, Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding, with a few of Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. All right, we're back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She comes each week, and this segment's just her and I try to reduce my word count. So try to get her to increase hers. So we have a we have a classic, uh, let's see, we're gonna be married 35 years here in just a mm -hmm. few days. I can still remember our wedding day. You can. As it was yesterday, yeah. <laughs> right there off of First Baptist Church, which is now Solid Rock Church right. back in the day, this is 35 years ago. Mm -hmm. Had our pictures across the, in the, the courthouse. I'd, I'd marry you in a heartbeat. I'd do it all over again. Well, thank you. I would marry you too. Really? That's yeah. good. Makes me feel better. <laughs> it does. Yeah. So anyway, uh, this segment's about gardening though, not about us. 
Yeah, I've been thinking about <laughs> what am I going to do for a wedding gift? What am I going to do anniversary? What am I going to do? So it's top of mind. Uh, lucky for you <laughs> and for me. So anyway, what's what's uh, what are you thinking about? Well, I am thinking about shade. Well, I'm thinking got- about shade too. <laughs> cool and a pool and a pool and a cabana. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's been toasty. It's been toasty. Yeah. So we kind of get through June. June is one of those kind of hot months and you get through it. And then July just gets hot and humid. Yeah, it gets, it's <laughs> so, definitely, humidity's definitely got the goo factor going right. on. Yeah. So you can use trees just oh. to plant a shade tree to go sit under, enjoy reading a book under. Hammock. A hammock under it. But you can also, they're very beneficial around your home to help cut your energy costs. Oh, yeah. For sure. I mean, if you're if you're planting trees on if that sun's hitting the west side or the south side, and you've got trees there to block it, it makes a huge difference yeah. in your electric bill. Yeah. And people, you know, people are always like, "Well, you know, I don't want to, I got to water it." Well, <laughs> it's a trade-off. I would rather have the shade. I, I would, would rather have a cooler house than rock heating up the side of my house. And, yeah. The other one I hear often is, I don't want the mess. Just get a variety that drops all its leaves. The beauty of planting a deciduous tree on that south and west side is you get the solar, you get the shade Mm -hmm. in the growing, the heat, the summer season, but you get the solar gain in the the winter and spring. So there's a multi-benefit. So when Mm -hmm. you're designing, you know, architect, classic design, you you put your uh, shade trees on that south and west. Mm -hmm. You put the evergreens on the north and east where the wind's just coming down. So look at it that way. So good. Uh What kind of shade? What's your favorite shade tree? My favorite shade tree, I would have to say is the maple. I really? love the autumn blaze maple, which we ah, have one in our front yard. We do. Um, it's it gives you beautiful shade. Yeah. And I just love I love the fall color out. I love the green leaves in the summer. I love the fall color. I love that the birds love to hang out in it. Yeah. So when we're sitting on the front porch, we get to watch the birds in yeah. there as well. So that's my favorite. What's yours? I would say the same thing, but I can't say the same thing because <laughs> you already took the same thing. So I'd say, I would say. Ash. I like mm-hmm. ash trees. I like golden locusts. Yeah. They have that beautiful shape to it. It's, mm-hmm. it's got a lacy kind of filtered type of shade to it. I really love aspens. Yeah. They're, they're native, uh, but they're not necessarily a shade tree unless you use them the right way. So right. we put aspens on the west side, side. Mm-hmm. of our house because it's narrow. So there's houses. You know, it's a property line. But aspens grow tall, but not wide. It's mm-hmm. perfect for that. And so we right. use, there's a way to take advantage of aspens. We don't get to see them that much, mm-hmm. uh, although we get to feel them because it, it's shading that master. Shade. Yeah. The master bathroom has yeah. a big glass it's window. Oh, it gets toasty in there. But yeah, it definitely shades it. Yeah. Now, see, I thought you were going to say oh, here we go. mimosa. Mimosas. I like mimosas, mm-hmm. but most people won't like mimosas. <laughs> so I like them, but I'm a I'm I'm an interesting gardener. That's true. So I'm not normal. I'm yes. abnormal, as right. you can attest. <laughs> we have three great big huge mimosas yeah. in our yard, and it it does. They have a really pretty canopy. I will yeah. say that they they give you a nice canopy. So the reason I planted three in a row. So you had a classic two story house, cut into the hill overlooking the dells. It's a pretty view. It's difficult to garden on because it's so steep, but we Mm -hmm. figured out how to tier things down. So there's a mimosa in each tier. So it just kind of stair steps, mimosas. Mm -hmm. But then we've got a 
a deck on the second story. It's it's actually a story and a half up. So it's way, it's yeah. a really tall deck. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to attract the hummingbirds and the butterflies. Mm -hmm. And so the canopy of that mimosa, the flowers are the ultimate pollinator for butterflies right. and hummingbirds. And so, but it would, it's just tall enough to be up there at the deck. So it feels like you're in a jungle, mm -hmm. like you're like, like, me, Tarzan, you, Jane, <laughs> we, we, we live here in, in wild. That's terrible. That's yes, terrible. That's Too much bad. Tarzan at, at, you know, nine years old back in the sixties. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, but that's the reason it does mm -hmm. work. It, yeah. You do see more monarchs and swallowtails and painted ladies and that's true. all kinds of hummingbirds, birds. birds. Yeah. They love it out there. Mm -hmm. It was just the right heights for the deck. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's another good one. Yep. Um, the other ones I thought of were elms. Sure, I really yeah. do like the elms. They give you fairly fast growing tree, uh, pretty disease resistant, yeah. insect resistant, uh, easy to grow. It doesn't yeah. have a lot of weird habits. Huge taproot to it. Mm -hmm. Now don't grow the Siberian elm no. or Chinese elm. That's the wild weedy elm. Yeah, we don't sell that yeah. here at Waters Garden Center. You'll find it at some places, mm -hmm. but you don't want that in your yard. It, it throws up a seed that, that comes up everywhere. You'll have hundreds of, of Siberian elms. You'll have uh, <laughs> disease. If there's if there's 10 diseases in the area, this tree will get 12. Right. It's got slime flux. It's got, it gets elm leaf skeletonizer. Yeah. It's, it's a nasty mm -hmm. tree. But the new varieties of elms, the new varieties of Princeton elm or, or American elm, like what's down in the courthouse mm -hmm. here in Prescott, yeah, that do does well. really well. Mm -hmm. Frontier or and Ali elm. Mm -hmm. These are elms that are like Siberian elm, but they've bred, bred it so they don't seed right. and they don't it's get terrible. the diseases yeah. and they get bright red in the fall of the year. They're spectacular. Mm -hmm. Whereas traditional elms generally get turn a gold color, like right. an aspen gold. Mm -hmm. So there's different varieties, oh, definitely. Uh, but we, we've got, we've got only mm -hmm. the premium ones here at Waters Garden Center. That is right. So uh, sycamore was the other sure. one I was thinking of, sometimes called the London plain tree. Uh, Why do they call it a London plane? I don't know. I, I got to research We should research that. that. <laughs> it's probably on the plains of like London. There's Somewhere London there's plains. probably some town that's, <laughs> I, there's got to be a reason, but it's related yeah. to our Arizonica, mm -hmm. the Arizona variety. They're cousins, right. direct cousins. Yeah. But the uh, London plane has more of a five pointed, like a maple mm -hmm. leaf. Yeah. Whereas uh, uh, the Arizona has more like a dinosaur foot footprint. Mm -hmm. It's kind of three huge kind of. Right. It's different has a bigger seed pod. I don't mm -hmm. know, but it definitely gets to be a good size. Oh yeah, tree, big. So yeah. good big for boy. shade. Um, choke cherry was the oh, other that's one. That's a I good idea. Choke cherry huh. is a really it's underutilized here. Totally. Uh, very drought hardy. Yeah. Beautiful coloring on the leaves and on the trunk. The yeah. trunk has a it has very much a cherry yeah. look to the trunk to it, but the doesn't produce the fruit. Well, it does it. No, it doesn't produce doesn't fruit. Produce, okay. No, even even less prone to produce fruit than purple leaf plum, yeah. which they're kind of related. Right. Uh, the choke cherry has purple foliage, like the purple leaf plums. Right. Has I think a white flower in spring. Is that right? I'm, I'm getting all my flowering mm. trees mixed up. So it's got a pink or white flower. One yeah. of those two. I'll cover all my bases. <laughs> and the foliage comes out bright like purple, deep, mm -hmm. rich purple. And then in the fall, it almost gets deeper. 
Right. Like and the birds, they yeah. love it. And you can't mm -hmm. kill a cherry unless you right. overwater it. Over so that's the only way you're going to kill it. So yeah. abuse it, mm -hmm. kick dirt at it, curse at it. It will well, grow and just, just do well for you. Choke cherries are, or they're native. Right. Uh, the other one is the honey locust, which yeah. I think, did you already mention that? I did. Yeah. So honey golden. locust, yeah, golden one. It has a really nice canopy yeah. as well. I like that. Um, the other one I thought of was the KV plum, which doesn't get super tall, but there again, it has a really nice wide canopy yeah. to it. So yeah. it's really good for, for you getting know, in the Patios, so you mm -hmm. get a smaller, it gets up maybe 15, 18 feet tall, mm -hmm. vase-shaped. So it is good for, for certain areas where you need right. to patio, a new gazebo out there. It, so you need to shade pieces of that. Right. It's perfect for that. Mm -hmm. So lots of choices. Thank you, Lisa. We were out of time. I know your list is long, but <laughs> okay. good time to plant all those too. Yeah. So Ken and Lisa Lane, the Mountain Gardeners, we'll be right back after this. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. 300,000? Imagine a landscape needing 300,000 trees. Wow. But that's exactly how many trees Frederick Olmsted planted in New York's Central Park. That guy liked trees. Me too. A 2014 study found the more trees in a neighborhood, the lower the incidence of heart disease. Darwin, Einstein, and Beethoven hung out with trees to help them think. Trees are part of nature that helps us relax, daydream, and feel happier. Plant your own Central Park from Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Waters Garden companion plants for July are hibiscus, maple, crepe myrtle, and purple verbena. Purple verbena is mountain famous for gorgeous summer-long flowers held over compact green foliage. This purple bloomer loves bright gardens, summer heat, and grows best in poor soils with less water. Go ahead and abuse this bloomer. You can't kill it. The perfect native perennial for easy summer long flowers. You'll only find the toughest verbena here at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. So I had mentioned earlier in the show, it's a really good time to be planting, especially summer blooming types of shrubs and trees. This is uh, mimosas and ch uh, chitalpas and desert willows and chase trees, uh, butterfly bush, crepe myrtles. You can just go on and on. There's a whole series. The, the garden center is filled with summer blooming, summer loving, summer need to be planted in summer kind of plants here at the garden center. But one that people don't think about one that I think is probably the number one thought of blooming shrub and it is so easy to grow in the mountains of Arizona it's dry we, we it's bright it loves the altitude takes our winter has every color you could possibly think of filled with fragrance but roses roses we don't think of rose. Roses are so easy. You folks in the Midwest, you had to go through so much work. It was so hard to have roses. They had disease galore. You had to cover and protect them in winter. Bugs were everywhere. June beetles, we don't even have those. Here we have, we don't have the leaf spot. We don't have the a little bit of mildew. It's hardly any. And so easy to control because we're dry. 
the altitude makes very bright, very bright, dry type of days. And, and roses, they love that. They bloom better, longer, stronger than other places in the country. So think of roses. Now, there's a couple different roses that you can plant. One, the number one, your, your grandparents planted hybrid tea roses. These are long stem roses with a great big flower on the end. And yes, those are great. And they're the most popular. I've got hundreds of those. That's fine. Every color, every name variety of Chrysler Imperial, Mr. Lincoln, Fragrant Cloud. You can just go right down the list. And they, they perform well. But there's some that are even easier to grow. I really like the shrub roses. And, and here's the reason why. And they're starting to figure out how to get more fragrance and more colors into shrub roses. Shrub roses do not have a, they're not grafted. So most hybrides, floribundas, grandiflores, most roses that you were familiar with in your youth, they were grafted roses. And so this is very, we get, we have a certain type of root that we graft a, a known plant on, a known uh, color of rose onto that root. Now we've got a special, and then 25% of those won't take, that graft won't take, or it's weak, or there's a grading process. Just, it's, it's laborious, but you do get a really pretty rose. They figured out how to have a rose on their own rootstock. There's no graft. This makes this rose extremely hardy. It makes it more affordable because you don't have the loss rate from that graft that uh, take a cutting and add it into a rootstock that is not its own and have it kind of bond together. Shrub roses just grow on their own roots. Uh, they're usually taking cuttings, put it in some fancy gel, rooting kind of, of soils, and then they just take off by themselves. And now you've got, if this plant gets, if you go on a cruise in the middle of winter, the plant gets damaged down to the ground, it comes back true to itself every time, just like a perennial. It just gets bigger and bolder. And your shrub roses, they typically don't have mildew problems. They don't have aphid issues and thrip damage. They're less maintenance. The flowers traditionally were a little bit smaller than a hybrid tea or a floribunda or a grandiflora. Some of these other name varieties are a little bit smaller uh, but really, they've they've bred some new. Now, plants are sort of like puppy dogs. You can breed. They don't do, you know, rosa doodles, but it comes darn close to it. They're breeding, or, or they have hybrids. They're breeding multiple varieties together. They come up with these new introductions or new colors, new shapes, new sizes, new widths. They stay ground cover. They stay real low and spread like a ground cover called carpet roses. They've got shrub roses that just, they get, you can almost trim them like a hedge. And yet they put on hundreds of these colorful, bright pink and yellow and red and flowers all over. Very easy to grow. And you don't have to prune them to get them to rebloom. Typically, most shrub roses self prune. That is, they'll bloom. When they're done blooming, they'll fade. They'll just dry up, kind of fall off, and then reset another flower all by itself. Whereas a hybrid tea or floribunda, you've got to count back three nodes, cut it at a 45 degree angle, and then fertilize it so it will flush another set of flowers. They are ever blooming, but you have to ever be deadheading the spent flowers to get it to rebloom. Shrub roses, carpet roses, these types of ro these 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 roses on their own rootstock, they don't they self prune. They do all that by themselves. Now. If I've got a party or something, I'm going to have you over as a guest. 
I will, I will not, not probably, I will clean my roses up just so I don't have any spent flowers. It's, if it's in the process of ejecting an old flower, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to clean you up and give you a hairdo before my guests come over. Then I'm going to probably fertilize you with some flower power, some liquid uh, fertilizer that kind of gives it a boost, gives it a juice. So so it just blooms even, sets even more flower buds. I'll probably do that a couple weeks before you come into my, before the party. So it's all cleaned up and then they will be in full bloom just like that. So there's some ways, there's some tricks on how to get roses to bloom. If you've got a wedding or a major backyard event, um, the, we can teach you how to have those those shrubs in all their glory during the celebration. There are ways to trick it. I mean, a, a rose, if you simply cut it back hard 45 days before the event, fertilize it really well with, I would almost do all-purpose plant food. There's a granular kind of cottonseed meal-based fertilizer that we have here at the Garden Center. It's called all-purpose plant food. Now, put that on. That's kind of your long-term feed. And I would actually juice it. Uh, once or twice before the party with flower power. That's a liquid. So it's available to that plant like right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set more buds like today. It's flower power. And so you mix those two things together and guaranteed within 40, 45 days, that thing is in full glorious like bloom. That's how we trick plants roses. Like we're famous for uh, our roses that, that arrive the week prior to Mother's Day. That's how we do it. We, we just know when they're going they, to, we have a thousand roses show up here at the garden center the last week of April, getting ready because we know mothers and roses kind of go together. It's the planting season. It's just, it's perfect. And so we trick all these roses into blooming all at the same time that way. We cut them back at the end of March and then we fertilize them and then they're just in full bloom. And then they land here at the garden center. Everyone's going, wow, how'd they do that? I just shared how you do it. You know how now. You can do it for your wedding, for your parties, for backyard, you know, get-togethers. It's a trick on how to get it to do that. But roses, another one too before I let this segment go. Think in terms of vining or climbing roses. They are so hardy, so tough. And the varieties that we sell anymore are ever-blooming. So they'll set a, a set of flowers over and over and over throughout the year. Here's the insider tip with climbing roses. So you get that thing to grow up that chain link fits, that that block, you know, cinder block wall. I mean, let's face it. You know it's ugly. I know it's ugly. It just feels like a dusty, dirty wall. You need some plants back there. And so you grow up a rose up this wall and then have it grow to the top of that. And as soon as it gets to the top, the, the length that you want, turn the very end of that tip of that cane down towards the ground and it will instantly start erupting with flowers all up and down the top side of that 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 cane, that vine. And so you just let these big, long, 10-foot vines will grow out up and down that fence. As soon as it gets up to the top and out the length that you want, point it down and kind of tie it down there. It'll stop growing, that, that cane, and the entire cane, that entire vine, that entire rose cane will just erupt in... in hundreds. I mean, just literally the whole top of that thing will be nothing but flowers. That's kind of an insider tip on how to force your climbing roses to go into bloom, just erupt into flowers. They'd really do well here. I think, I think roses grow better here 
than other parts of the country. They're easier to grow, much less, I mean, roses up pergolas, roses up arches. They're just classic. There's other ways to use them too. Anyway, uh, we got more for you. Hold on just a minute. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to local garden expert, Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott at 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. Plants are a lot like puppies. They need care, water, and food. You wouldn't forget to feed your puppies, so don't forget to feed your plants. Waters 7404 All-Purpose Plant Food is a gourmet meal for your plants. The only food for Arizona plants for the nutrients they need for big blooms, a hefty harvest, and tremendous trees, all naturally. It's time to feed your plants with 744 All-Purpose Plant Food from Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Hi, Ken, with our Vine of the Week and our Arizona Sunset Trumpet Vine. Huge, deep red flowers cluster to create a dramatic summer show. This vigorous vine thrives and blooms with near neglect. Fast growing to cover chain link fence, shade structures, and trellis quick. Easy to train as a ground cover up a rock face to hold soils from erosion in just $34. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love vines that bloom red, they love to shop. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. Where does the time fly? Wow, I had a whole list of things. I only got two-thirds of the garden content, garden advice I want to give you. My goal each week, quite honestly, is to impart at least three things that you can use in your garden this week that'll make a difference. So something maybe you didn't know that will just up your game. And, And gardening is learned by making mistakes. You just the goal here is tune into this show which you'll make at least you'll be making mistakes in the right direction. So you'll never be going backwards, but you might be going from side to side correcting kind of moving things back and forth. And so right now, I would say the advice I can give you is fertilize everything in the landscape. I can't emphasize that enough. Yes, we've had some rain. The the rain will activate that plant food and then over the next two, three months, that plant will absorb that, store it, use it, and create more foliage. You'll get a thicker uh, juniper tree. You'll get uh, more growth out of a red tip botania barrier. You'll get better looking, more blooms out of desert willows, uh, chitalpas, mimosas, silk tassel tree. Uh, it just it makes a difference, and it's unique to here. It's, it's because we have this monsoonal rain pattern that happens. It's unique to really New Mexico, Arizona area, where we really don't have a lot of soil. We don't have a lot of nutrients in our soil, but we got this rain pattern that comes up. So you can take advantage of it to really. This is really important for you folks with brand new yards. Let's say it's under a landscape that's under three years old fertilize it you you can get that thing to look more mature be much more advanced than maybe let's say your neighbor's yard that that hasn't done that the other thing i can tell you is don't be afraid to plant it is a very good time to plant in your yard 
especially summer, things that love the summer. These are smoke bush. It's a classic. Uh, gopher purge or gopher plant. Uh, echinaceas, gallardias, these summer blooming wildflowers. Pintas and lantanas, these annuals that just love the heat. Butterfly blush, uh, crepe myrtles, rose of Sharon's, these shrubs that are just famous. Roses, famous at this altitude from now through fall for their color. Trees. I can't think of a better time to put in uh, an Arizona cypress. This is classic Arizona evergreen that grows about 20 feet tall, 12 feet wide, thick. It's a windbreak. It's a privacy screen. It's great for you folks out in the valley area. This is your season because you've got humidity. Moisture is going to root out better. It'll actually grow some this year. Whereas if you're to wait until fall when they tell you that's the best time, you won't get any growth until next spring. Here you'll actually get some growth. And you can do that here, which is different than, let's say, in Phoenix, where it's hot. You don't plant down in Phoenix. It's, it's just you're living 10 miles from the sun. You just got to go inside and hibernate until the sun goes away, which is like November. <laughs> Up here, it's beautiful. Enjoy it. Take advantage of it. Good time to plant shade trees, like Lisa had mentioned this, this last segment. So... She had mentioned uh, maples like autumn blaze maple, uh, sycamores, ash, locusts, aspens, birch trees for, say, Sally mentioned that for her lawn, great lawn tree, or just out there in the yard tree. So we mentioned how to get climbing roses to go into bloom, spontaneous bloom. And that's let that long cane grow up. So they've already grown, I don't know, six, seven, eight feet let it keep growing to the top of that fence and then just bend it down and it will the entire top of that cane will just go into flower so we we shared how to get some roses to bloom for you at just the right cycle so but if we didn't answer your question you tuned in going i wish you'd covered this shoot me an email i'll try to cover it or come to the garden center we love helping uh, the audience helping fans of the show here at the Garden Center. We'll go one on one with you. Uh, we re- in this time of year we we have some time to go a little deeper than let's say Mother's Day weekend when it's just chaos everywhere. We're being pulled apart of the seams. Here we've got some breathing room. We can take some time with you. We just it's a highlight of our week when we get to help fans of the show. We believe Waters is the one that can fill the world with sunshine at Waters Garden Center. Hi, Ken here with the Plants of the Week and our Arizona Cypress. If you want low-maintenance natives, easy care, and reduced water use, then this is the evergreen for you. When planted in rows, they block the wind, traffic noise, and make the perfect privacy screen. Comes in an Arizona blue, easy to grow, and prefers monsoon planting. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love native evergreens, they love to shop. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in.